verses 6 through 11. Uh, you'll read the odd verses, I'll read the even. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. We'll pause at any punctuation and we will begin. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews, as ye have been to you. Quit yourselves like men, and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his own tent, and there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel thirty thousand footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you so much for the scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the, uh, the great thing that you did this morning and just that you are doing through your church. Thank you. We get to be a part of it. Um, Lord, I ask you, please just bless. Lord, help our hearts to be open and our minds to be uh, te- keened in and tuned in to what you have for us this evening. I ask you, please guide and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 4 is a very, very important and interesting story. Uh, And I use the word story there, not in the sense of it being a fairy tale, but it's uh, it's a true historical account. Israel has been rebelling for a long time. Uh, Since the time that Joshua died, they've been rebelling. Chronologically, if you understand the scriptures, you have the book of Joshua, the book of Judges and Ruth, and then you go into 1 Samuel. There's about 300 years from the end of the book of Joshua to the beginning of 1 Samuel. 300 years of rebelling. Now, uh, they didn't want God to lead them. They wanted a king. God wanted to be their leader. God's presence would lead through the tabernacle and the, he would come once a year and dwell in the tabernacle and sit on the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God. We've seen that according to Revelation also that there's one in heaven, I believe the throne room of God. And this wasn't a religious thing, it was a political thing. God wanted to lead the Hebrew people. By the way, notice the word is Hebrew, not Jew. I've taught this on our Wednesday night Bible studies. God did not sanction Judaism. He did sanction a nation. Jew is in reference to Judaism or a religion, and it's a false religion. It was the Jewish religion that killed Jesus. Jesus was not a Jew, he was a Hebrew. Everybody understand that? Just because you're an American doesn't make you a Baptist. Uh, You're an American, that's your 
your heritage, that's your, your nation. Your religion is something different. Does that make sense to everybody? That's the difference between Jew and Hebrew. God said to Abraham, I will make thee a great and mighty nation, not a great and mighty religion. By the way, Jesus never practiced Judaism. The only time that we see him doing something on a Jewish time was during Passover, and he changed it to the Lord's Supper. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church, not my temple, and not my synagogue. He was going against the Jewish religion. Now, that was extra, that's not in here, but just thought I'd throw it in there. The tabernacle was where God would lead the nation of people. By the way, the Ten Commandments were civil law. It was their constitution. Had nothing to do with going to heaven. The moral laws had nothing to do with going to heaven. It talked about sanitation and health. That has nothing to do with going to heaven. You had the priestly duties. The priests were the political leaders of the day. They were the ones that answered to God directly and led the people. And if they got out of line, God whacked them upside the head. Now, hang on with me for a second here. The mercy seat was that which sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. That was in the Holy of Holies. The uh, Ark of the Covenant had the tables of stone that God took his finger and wrote the law and the blueprints for the tabernacle on. Then it also had a golden pot that had manna left from the wilderness that God preserved. Then it had Aaron's rod that budded. Those were placed in it, box a little bit, about twice the size of the Lord's Supper table down here. And on top of that, there was a chair. It's called the mercy seat. One time a year, the high priest would make an atonement for the sins. He would come in and he would place the blood on the mercy seat and God's Shekinah glory of God would come down, fill the tabernacle and God's presence would sit amongst the nation of Israel, signifying that he would lead them again for the next year and that they would follow him. It wasn't religious, it was political. But God was their leader. Now watch this. All of the enemies of Israel knew what the ark of God meant to the Israelites. It meant the, the gods of Israel were going to whoop up on them. Notice what was said here in verse number 7. Uh, verse, last part of verse 6. And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. This is 350 years ago. They're talking about something that happened almost 350 years before, and they're still afraid of it. But you see how important that was? Even the enemies of God knew what the Ark of the Covenant meant. They were afraid. Now, the Philistines said, we got to do something. Best thing we can do, reach down, muster up every bit of strength we got, 
Go in there and whoop them up and steal that Ark of the Covenant away so their gods might be with us and not with them. They rallied together and they fought the Israelites the next day and they killed 30,000 Israelis. And they stole the Ark of the Covenant. It has left the land of God's chosen people. Verse number 11. And the Ark of God was taken. What a sad statement. The Hebrew people are devastated. I'm not going to go into a lot of this, but let me give you the, the background here. And then we're going to jump into the truth for tonight. The Philistines take the Ark of God and they take it back to Philistia. By the way, they worshipped a false god. Their main god was a god named Dagon. D-A-G-O-N. Not Dagwood, but Dagon. Uh, They actually place it next to their statue of Dagon. So they put the Ark of the Covenant in the same room where the statue of Dagon is. And they go in the next morning to do whatever they did with Dagon. And Dagon is fallen flat on his face towards the Ark of the Covenant. They said, hmm, that doesn't look right. So they picked Dagon back up and put him back in his little spot. I don't know if he looked like Buddha or something else. I don't know, but they rolled him back up. And they come back the next morning to do their morning ritual. And he's not only again on his face before the Ark of the Covenant, but his hands were cut off and laying up against the threshold of the door. They said, this has not happened before. Something's not right. By the way, it scared them so badly that for the rest of time, as they worshiped Dagon, the Dagon priests made a law stating that because Dagon's hands were cut off and placed on the threshold, that they were no longer allowed to step on the threshold of the door going into the room where he was at. Philistines. Where is Philistia? It's Gaza where we're having all the trouble right now in the Gaza Strip, they're still giving the Hebrew people troubles. This was a traumatic thing. They said, we got to find another place for this. This Ark of the Covenant thing's causing our God some trouble. Not only that, and I'm, I realize we've got children here, I'm going to be appropriate and there's nothing sinful about what I'm going to say but God sent a disease called emerods to them say what is that that sores in private areas very painful sores say what's that mean ask your mommy and daddy I ain't going any further amen <laughs> well they something's not right because The power of that Ark of the Covenant, it's causing the Philistine people troubles. So they move it from their capital to another place, and this problem seems to follow it throughout the country. And for seven months, they move it from place to place to place to place, and the Philistines have had enough. They're full of sores. Bad things are happening. 
So they said, we're going to send this thing back to Israel, and they build a giant brand new cart, and they place it on there. They get two oxen and uh, brand new that have uh, been trained to pull a cart, and they put them on the road, and they crack the whip, and they march those oxen and say, see you later. They put a giant expensive care package together. You can read about it, chapter 6. I'm not going to go into it. And place it on that cart with the Ark of the Covenant. And those oxen marched the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. They said, get out of here. We don't want it. Now, (laughs) isn't it amazing? What was the power of God in God's presence became a problem to the wrong people. God's power in the hands of the wrong people becomes troublesome. Let me give you three thoughts tonight. Number one, God's presence is enjoyable to God's people, but it's feared and hated by the enemy. Can I tell you something? You come to one of our church services and be here on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, Wednesday night, watch God do a work around here. It's exciting, amen? Amen. I feel sorry for these churches that don't have anything happen. We have it happen almost by accident around here. God's working and it's exciting to see God work. Our church is filling up. If we keep growing like we're growing, we're going to have to get our modular unit set after the county finally gets our approval. And we're going to have to knock this wall out, move this wall back to extend because we're going to have so many people. Say, preacher, where are we going to park everybody? Already working on that. I got an idea you and I are going to work on this week. And uh, we may end up having to shuttle people. But uh, there's a school property about a quarter mile down the road doesn't have anything going on on Sundays. And we'll borrow their parking lot, amen, and shuttle people back and forth. So, well, I don't want to do that. Then you can park here. And those of us that can will park down there. You, you whiny baby. No, I mean, uh, uh, but there, there's, there's folks that could do that. There's always a way to fix the problem. Say, what are you going to do? We're going to keep growing until we can't grow anymore. Then we're going to build another building. Say, then what are we going to do? Well, then we'll buy either that property or that property, and we'll build another bigger building. Say, preacher, are you worried about it? No, I'm not worried about it. But we've got to reach everybody we can reach. But when we see the excitement, have you noticed how the world starts calling Christianity a cult? I've been called a cult leader my whole ministry. I have people that literally think I'm a cult leader. I don't force anybody to do anything. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, amen? I mean, uh, anyway, uh, you don't know what that means, but (laughs) these young people, you got to tell them everything. They don't know nothing. The ark of God represented the presence of God. That's where God's presence would dwell amongst his people. The ark was a symbol or a reminder to God's people of his love and leadership. Can I tell you something? You're not going to like this. My Bible says that what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. In our day, your body is the same thing as the ark of the covenant. We're to keep it as holy and as pure and as right as they kept the Ark of the Covenant. You see, the Ark of the Covenant gave God's people confidence in battle. Remember when 
Joshua led the people into Jericho. Do you remember what they did? The priests put the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and they got to the border of the Jordan River and the Jordan River dried up. And they marched across the Jordan River. By the way, if you look on the map where those cities are, it tells you how far back the water went back. It was something like 13 or 17 miles upstream the water dried up. It wasn't just a little patch that they walked through. It dried it up to where people knew for miles something's happening. God's people marched across the Jordan River. God moved the river back. And for seven days, one time a day for six days, they marched around the outer wall of Jericho. And the Ark of the Covenant went first. On the seventh day, they marched seven times around. And on the seventh time around, they blew the trumpets and they shouted. And God had the walls come tumbling down. And it was the presence of God with the Ark of the Covenant that people feared. It was confidence to the people of God. It was fear to the world. You know the world's afraid of what we have? Yes, sir. You want to shut a big jerk up? Just push a Bible in his face and tell him to take it and show somebody how to go to heaven so they don't have to die and go to hell and watch him go, no, well, not me. They're big and tough to, they got to do something spiritual. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was, was, was big. It was powerful. Uh, we're in First uh, Samuel chapter 4. Look at verse number 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring forth thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. By the way, they've been backslidden, but they still knew they needed the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, there's people that come to this church and maybe they've not been in church in a long time or they've not been in the right kind of church. They hear the preaching and they see God work and they see God move and they see God's people happy about what's going on. They say, wow, where's that been? The rest of the world looks at us and says, we're the crazy ones. Shoot. They're not, <laughs> we're not the crazy ones. They are. I didn't wake up this morning wondering what happened last night. I wasn't drunk. I woke up knowing it's church day. Amen. Brother Steve came in tonight and he said, preacher, how you doing? I said, if I was any better, tomorrow would have to be Sunday again. I wish every day was Sunday, amen? You see, the Philistines, the enemy, feared what God would do against them because they had seen what God had already done. I'm about to say something. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> do you know why our world is hating Christianity? Because we've got a bunch of phony Christians out there where God's presence is not working. It's just a show. It's just religion. When they hear something like what we have, oh, that's a cult. God couldn't do that. Well, show up. We'll show you what he can do. Everybody doing all right? See, the only thing they know how to do is label it a cult. 
because they can't explain it away. When I was in my young years as an assistant pastor in my early and mid-twenties, I worked for a man that was changing, and I wouldn't change. <laughs> he said, young man, I used to be what you are, but one of these days you're going to mature out to the reality of life. He shouldn't have said that. I had my Bible in my lap. I put it on his desk and went, that book will never change. You changed. It did not. I said, I'm not changing. By the way, 33 years later, I haven't changed. I haven't changed one thing. Ask that little lady sitting right there. I'm preaching the same way I did 33 years ago when I made that statement to that man. If nothing else, I've gotten tougher. Say why? Because people have gotten worse. You see, even the lost world knows the power of God. The lost world understands the power of God. <laughs> Brother Hiles used to tell a story. Guy kept calling him a phony. He was out soul winning. He said, ah, he had a bunch of guys there and they were mocking Brother Hiles. He said, you think I'm a phony, huh? He said, yeah. He said, come here. Guy came over to him, Brother Hiles put his hands on the guy's head. He said, let me pray for you. He said, dear God, help this, these men find out I'm not a phony. If I'm not a phony, uh, Lord, uh, would, you, would you have this man that's been mocking you die? Strike him with a heart attack. He said, hold on, preacher, hold on, preacher. <laughs> he, just, he just kept on praying. And By the way, <laughs> he, he backed up. He said, okay, you're real, you're real. Don't do that. What happened to men of God that aren't afraid to do that? Yes. Got a bunch of pussyfooting, little back-scratching, mealy-mouthed, milk-toast kind of people. They wiggle when they walk, and they're not sure if they're a man or a woman behind the pulpit. And some, they ought to just get a real job. What happened to men of God that would take the truth and thunder aloud and cry, cry aloud and give the truth, and sinners would be saved? Forty-four thousand southern baptist churches last year never saw one person get saved not one shut it down and have a real church somebody needs to get right everybody doing all right Amen. i'm not afraid of it do you know why the world's mocking christianity because we don't have real christians we don't have men of God that will preach the truth the right way. we got to keep perverting the Bible and using everybody else's versions. Let's just use the one God wrote. Yes. Hey. Number two, got to hurry. So I said, first of all, God's presence is enjoyable to God's people, but it's feared by the enemy. By the way, isn't it great to come to a church where God's presence is? I love pulling up on this property any hour of the day or night. My heart starts beating faster. Say why? Because <laughs> I know what God's going to do. You just sense it. You, it, it it's, it's not a feeling. It's just you know God's going to meet with us. Number two. The ark of God in heathen hands becomes a problem to the heathen. 
I'm going to make a statement here that might surprise you. You know, the lost world wants the blessings and power of God, but they want it without a relationship with God. They'd like to have the miracles that we see, but they'd want to do it their way, not God's way. You can't have the miraculous power of God without a miraculous walk with God. Plain and simple. <laughs> if you knew what we went through to get a loan for this building, 13 banks. I finally got some snuff dipping. Nasty old banker, ruthless, toothless, and Pigpen's house looked better than that man's office. I'm not, Mrs. Barnes's head's about to roll off her head. She's nodding so hard. That man, my daddy would say, couldn't find his hindermost parts with both hands tied behind his back. We've given that man so many different sets of paperwork. Uh, our records are more accurate than his. But I got the loan. I'll never forget. He'd say, well, uh, well, we looked at your financials and you had a few extra things given last year that weren't part of your regular offerings. So the bank's not going to count those as your income. I said, oh, yes, you are. He said, well, no, we're not. I said, I'll meet with your board and I'll make sure they do. He said, well, it's not part of your regular offerings. I said, what if I have somebody in my church that only gets paid once a year? They said, well, it's a special donation. I said, dude, I passed the offering plates once a service. Every bit of money that comes into my church is special donation. Well, are you sure it's going to happen again next year? I said, I'm not sure what's going to come in next service. I said, this isn't a business. I said, 501c3 means non-profit. And your bank wants me to prove profit. We have a problem. I said, I may have fallen off the truck, but I didn't hit my head with the shovel. I said, we're going to fix this problem. They want to take 20% of our income and throw it away and say, well, it's not regular giving, so it doesn't count. Oh, yes, it does. God gave it. By the way, we got our loan. I've been fighting every bit. COVID came. Oh, we can give you a loan. We can stop your payments and you can get hundreds of thousands of dollars from the government. I said, nope, God's going to pay his bills. By the way, every bill got paid through COVID. Not one late. When it was over and the bank wanted our yearly records... I went down to the bank and I said, nah, 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 I did it without a loan. Guess God's still alive. Yeah. Say, so you didn't do that, did you? Yes, I did. I believe God's going to help us pay this church off in less than 10 years. I believe that. I believe God's going to give us the wherewithal to pay this thing off. Say, how? I don't know, but I can't wait for the day to walk into that man's office with the last check and say, I want my title indeed now. I don't need your money. We have God. 
Everybody doing all right? I'm about to have a spell. Can I tell you something? The world thinks they're important because they have their banks and their money. My God can overcome any of that mess. They want the blessing of God without the relationship with God. Our banker said, Pastor, I ain't never met nobody like you. I said, I know. I said, I just happen to believe God, and I'll prove him. He said, well, that's not going to go with the board. I said, you just go to the board. I'll go to God. We'll see what happens. Guess who won the vote? God. Ha! You see... And maybe I shouldn't say some of these things, but I don't give a rip. This is why religion has become heathenistic. Religion is believe what you want. Well, you're everybody who's alive as a child of God. You believe what you want. Oh, you believe in Allah or you can believe in uh, uh, this God or that God. We all believe the same God. He's just different names. That's hogwash. Uh, We've got to go high tech. We've got to reach the new generation. So we've got to take down and get rid of all the songbooks and put up movie screens in in the churches and get rock bands out there and get people up on the platform jigabooing and dancing and uh, shaking and baking and whatever else. Drum sets and electric guitars and fog machines and have rock concerts and call it church. Well, we got to have everybody on the platform and everybody in the pew singing the same words, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, and for five, don't you just feel the spirit? Well, bless God, get a man of God up behind the pulpit, let him preach the word of God and watch him feel the spirit and move to the altar. This generation isn't going to be moved with modern technology. They're going to be moved by the power of God. The church is supposed to be more than a Facebook feed. It's supposed to be a revival service. I said it. (laughs) Problem in America today is religion. We got powerless pulpits. Got churches that see no results because they won't obey God. They're trying to figure out new ways to do it with man. Instead of going soul winning, let's put a Facebook feed out and people can come to our Facebook page and see the pastor and hear him talk and they'll just flock to the church. That's a bunch of garbage. They look at my face. They want to run and go the other way. Shut up. But you let this old preacher knock on the door and let some people from our church knock on their door or leave tracks at gas pumps or everywhere else they leave them and watch what God can do. Everybody doing all right? Isn't it amazing what happens when you do it God's way, not man's way? God said, bring ye all the tithes to the storehouse. He didn't say, give the church your bank account number and let us take it out of your bank account every week uh, on our own. God said, bring it. He didn't say, take it. I'm not taking your banking information. Now, if you want to wire money to the church, we'll give it to you. But uh, past that, forget it. Say, why? Because it's not a matter of us taking it. You're supposed to bring it. 
Without a living spirit in man, man's avenue to want to please God can only be with his body or his soul. Religion is based in body and soul. How you feel, what you know, all the the feelings and the knowledge and all that kind of stuff, it's body and soul. It has nothing to do with spirit. But John 4.24 is still in the Bible. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You don't fellowship with God in your body. You fellowship with him in your spirit. You don't fellowship with God in your soul. You fellowship with God through the spirit, through the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Boy, that's good stuff. By the way, you can't understand the Bible if you don't have the Holy Spirit if you're lost. Do you know the only truth that a lost person can truly understand is the gospel? That's why it's ridiculous to have a three-hour Bible study with somebody before they get saved. Shoot, just give them the gospel and ask them, trust Jesus Christ as a Savior, watch them bow their head, let them grow in the Lord. Are they doing all right? <laughs> the world makes up their own science to try to explain away God. Evolution is not science. Man calls evolution science, but it doesn't even follow the definition of science. Science means it has to be repeatable and it has to be uh, observed. Nobody has ever observed millions and millions and millions of years. And they've never been able to repeat the same process in their lifetime. Therefore, it is not science. It is still just a theory and it is a wrong theory. Everybody doing okay? Let's use their own definition of science. Uh, climate change. The climate has not changed. A polar vortex. Folks, isn't it amazing how they come up with new words for the same old stuff? Do you know what the word polar vortex came from? Something called a jet stream. How many of you old timers know what the jet stream was? Yeah. In the summertime, the northern jet stream stays up north. In the wintertime, because the sun comes down, it's able to pull down. That's where we get colder air. That's called a polar vortex now. It's the northerly jet stream. That's all that it is. Look it up. Oh, we had a polar vortex. Folks, it's the same stupid stuff. Weather goes in cycles. You have good years, you have bad years. You have wet years, you have dry years. That's how God balances the, the earth's atmosphere. Boy, that's good stuff. You cannot get spiritual results from God when you have a dead spirit. Yes. <laughs> Please don't take this the wrong way. Most churches have cemeteries. They have more results in the cemetery than they do in their church building. The lost people trying to do God's work is trying to like building a church out of the patrons in the cemetery. Going down to Pleasant View and standing in the cemetery preaching to all the dead uh, tombstones down there. 
That's what the average church is in America today. Preaching to a bunch of deaf. There's nothing there. There's no life. As I said this morning, there's no light. Till you get hooked up to the fire, there's no light. Boy, that's good stuff. Number three, I'll hurry. This is where it's going to go from preaching to meddling. The ark of God in the heathen land causes problems for God's people. In our land, it's joy. When it's taken from us and taken to the world, it causes them problems, but it also causes us problems. God's glory had left Israel. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 4 again. Look at verse number 19. And the daughter-in-law, and his daughter-in-law, Eli's daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. About the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. There was problems at home because the ark of God was taken. Yes. Psalm thirty-three, twelve says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, but sin is a reproach to any people. I believe God has had for many years the blessing of God upon America, but it's waning tonight. We sing the song, God bless America, but America needs to learn to bless God. The answer is not going to be Donald J. Trump, though it's definitely a better option than what we have now. But may I say something? The answer is going to be Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The problem is not the, the lost world. The problem is Christians wanting to live like the lost world. We are living the life of Ichabod. The glory is departed. Everybody doing okay? I have a whole sermon on that. I'm not preaching it tonight because I'm not sure you could handle it yet. God's people were nearly conquered because they did not care to protect the glory of God. 30,000 men lost their life because they did not protect the ark of God. They were more worried about their own neck than they were God. We read in verse number 10 that they ran to their own tent. They were running and hiding. They did not stand and fight for God. Now, I'm going to preach for a few seconds. I'm going to give an invitation 
listen to me very carefully. When the world sees you smoking like they smoke, we've lost God's presence to the world. Ichabod, the glory is departed. Don't get mad at me. I'm just preaching what God said. When we dress like the world and they see no difference between the way we dress and the way they dress, Ichabod, the glory is departed. The world ought to see a difference in Christians. We ought to dress differently than the world dresses. Ladies ought to look like ladies. Men ought to look like men. Boys ought to look like boys. Girls ought to look like girls. They ought to dress appropriately. Boys shouldn't be wearing girls' dresses. Girls ought not be wearing boys' clothes. Ladies shouldn't be wearing men's clothes. And men definitely ought not be wearing women's clothes. When you men come wearing a dress and got stockings on, we're going to take you out back to do something. Amen? Target practice. Here we go. You say, preacher, are you going to come to church wearing a dress? No, but if I do, what's the difference in a woman that's dressed like a man? There was a day when we preached this. Everybody doing okay? Hang on, don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. I'm just a delivery boy. I'm not mad at anybody, but we have lost God's presence. We ought to be doing that which is right. Boy, that's good stuff. When we drink booze like the world, and they see no difference in us, Ichabod, the glory is departed. (laughs) When we talk and curse like the world, we don't sound any different than the world, and we laugh at their filthy jokes, Ichabod, the glory is departed. Hang on. When we're critical, negative, nasty, we're as negative as the world is and as negative as the press is about the press. We've just lost God's presence. Folks, why do you get so upset about the news? You know who's reporting it. Why do you get such a bad attitude about it? The devil's going to be the devil. Why do you have to get a bad attitude about it? If you got a bad attitude, avoid it. Everybody doing okay? But you're willing to lose God's presence and walk around mumbling and grumbling at everybody because you got a bad attitude. Well, it's called constructive criticism. No, it's called a bad attitude. There's no such thing as constructive criticism. That's just like that white black man thing. Ain't no such thing. You've believed the lie of the devil. You learned that in the public school system. Everybody doing okay? All right, come on. This one's really going to hurt. When you live in discouragement, fear, and depression, you've lost God's presence. My Bible says perfect love casteth out fear. Well, I just I just get so discouraged, preacher, because look at the news. Then quit looking at the news. Bless God, Jesus is coming again. The rapture's gonna happen. We have the gospel to take the lost people and 
and saw one get saved today. If you can't get excited about that, then you need to get on your face before God and get right with God. You say, well, I, I just see it all around me. That's because you keep looking at it. Get the good news and take it out to somebody. Say, doesn't it discourage you? No, it means I'm one day closer to heaven. I don't get upset. I don't get discouraged. I don't get fearful over the things of the world. My heart hurts. I get gut punched every once in a while. I took two punches yesterday morning that way. But you wouldn't know that. Say, why? (laughs) It's not my problem. It's somebody else's. But I hurt for them. Everybody doing okay? You don't need me. I got to bring my problems to you. I'll get my grandson's pacifier and blanket and have a pity party. (laughs) That's the way some of you act. Don't get mad at me. You're in fear and depression. (gasps) There's going to be another strain of COVID. So? Coronavirus has been around for thousands of years. Everybody doing all right? <laughs> Did you know there was a day when people coughed and never nobody ever worried about, oh, do you have COVID? Good night. You used to go to the store and hear people, ah, 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 ah. And now you do that, get out of here, you got COVID. <laughs> they don't even know. Good grief. Everybody's afraid of a virus. Bless God, if you get it and you die, you're going to go to heaven faster. Amen? Jeez. Let me ask you a question. As the world looks at you, do they see God's presence in your life? Or is it Ichabod, the glory is departed? I wonder who's going to die and go to hell because we won't take the gospel to them. Well, I might offend them. I'd rather offend them and they get saved than not offend them and they die and go to hell unoffended. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Many ought to leave their seat. Let's stand to our feet. If you need to use the altar tonight, you come.